let me paint a picture for you. Your learner did the assignment but forgot to turn it in and therefore got no credit. Or your learner studied for hours for an exam but then barely passed or didn't pass at all. Or how about your learner remembers everything they're told but has no strategy for recalling information on demand or relies wholeheartedly on their memory? Memory is a huge portion of executive functioning, and today we're digging deeper into what it is, why having a good memory can be a blessing and a curse, and how to develop some strategies for memory that have a really big impact. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 26 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. Have you joined our private Facebook group yet? We're really enjoying meeting you there. And we recently did a Facebook Live where we went through creating a study plan and back planning for two different students. Mm-hmm. We're still working out how to do Facebook Lives, but we hope you guys trust us as we figure it out. In fact... It was kind of funny because Rach and I were both teaching and writing on a clipboard, and it actually was a mirrored image that we were writing, so it looks backwards. But no worries, we posted a photo on our clipboards, so after you could see it all that's in the comments. It's still available there, so what you have to do is search Smarties of the Learn Smarter podcast. It's different than our Facebook page, but if you want to give us a like there too, why not? We'd love you for it. Today, we're going to talk about memory and how it works. In an earlier episode, episode 23, which we will link to in the show notes, we talked about how giftedness can often present in a lot of kids in terms of their memory. In that episode, we talk about how this is initially a blessing and then a curse. In general, though, we absolutely see an over-reliance on memory. Oh, man. This is crazy to us because memory, by definition, is inherently unreliable. So I wanted to tell a little story about a book that I read on my honeymoon. It's also a recommendation. We will also link to it in the show notes. I read Educated by Tara Westover. I highly recommend this memoir. And the reason this episode made me think about it is because In a nutshell, she grew up in a survivalist family with absolutely no education and ends up going and getting her degree at Harvard. And so it's kind of her trajectory. But she's talking about all this really crazy stuff that happened in her childhood. And at several points in the memoir, she highlights the fact that she remembers things differently than her siblings and makes it a point to share their alternative memories and explains why the differences may or may not be significant. Even when it comes to telling your own story, your memory is not 100% accurate or reliable, and there's an incredible over-reliance from the population that Steph and I work with on our students' memories. Steph, what would you add? Yeah, I was going to say, guys, it's on my list to listen to in Audible, So, because I haven't listened to this one yet, but I'm going to. And I... As soon as I finished it, I'm pretty sure I texted you and I was like, read this book. I read it in a day. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did and I'm pretty sure I didn't do anything about it. But now I'm going to. So <laughs> now now all good. It's in the the playlist. So it's it's there. It's ready. 
So that's an interesting difference between Steph and I. I listen to a lot of audio content too, but she immediately goes to add it to her audible cue. She's too busy listening to a book about playing. So like, I am listening to a book about playing. I'm, I'm um, telling you, once you start this book, you will be in your house listening to it, in your car listening to it. It will be done within a day. Yeah, I'm not oh, I'm, kidding. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And also, if any of our listeners, if any of you Smarties have book recommendations for us, Please share. We're yeah. always looking for new stuff. Definitely. I always like it. I like to keep them in my office and I have books that I've read or like that parents can look at. But I was going to add about the memory. This is such a huge thing. Every time, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure, but every time mm. a new client comes in, one of my first questions. We have this conversation. Yes. We have one of my questions is, so how do you keep track of your homework? Mm-hmm. And every single time a few exceptions here and there but every single time it's oh well I just remember it and that's you know where I put my head my hand in my head if you could see me I'm like oh no this is the worst idea ever I'm really getting to the point where I think I might start sending podcast episodes to clients coming in (laughs) so that we can just like cut to the chase of why certain things are important and start digging into the work because I will tell you I just had a session with a new client yesterday And the exact same thing. And, you know, relying on your memory actually has a huge link to anxiety because you're nervous you're going to forget. Yeah, yeah. And you're trying to store all this information that is important, but it's truly not as important as the information you're about to be tested on. So we're going to talk about how remembering the wrong things limits the amount of brain space that you have for remembering the correct things. Right. And what I say to the kids often, I tell them this all the time, when I talk about how you only have so much capacity in your brain, just like your phone, Mm -hmm. and when what happens when you put more things in your phone? It starts to delete old things, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. your memory is going to start deleting things. The difference, though, is that you don't get to choose what your memory is going to delete. So if it's that really important thing, how many times does that happen? I usually ask the kids, and it's the thing that they didn't want to forget that they forget because Mm -hmm. they don't have control over what their memory is going to dump. So usually when I give them this analogy and we start talking about it, and usually they are in agreement that this has happened to them, then usually I can get them on board a little bit. But yeah, that's the buy-in factor. Steph, I have a question I've never asked you before. We've never had a conversation about this, but I literally was giving that analogy yesterday to this new client. I was using the example that you had initially taught me, which is like, if you have too many programs open on your computer, what happens? Your computer slows down, it breaks. But here's my question for you, is every time I use this analogy in session and other things that you've taught me, I bring you up. How often do you bring me up in sessions? Oh, I'm just curious. Oh, no, I I definitely say it a lot because I was talking about a week or two or a couple weeks ago about how you're only one day older than the day before than the day before. And I said it yesterday Mm-hmm. twice to two different uh-huh. people. So yeah, I think that uh, we're definitely much better at therapists because of each other. Oh, it's so funny. All my all my clients know who you are. Oh yeah, my clients do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Because I'll yeah. be like, this is, this is a Steph thing. <laughs> Hilarious. I love yeah. it. So the first question that we should really tackle is what is memory? Uh, so memory. Steph. Yeah. So we all store information differently in our brain. 
And we often remind parents and students that no two brains are alike. And this is why your child might not do things the way you want them to do or something that they try or you've suggested doesn't work. We often spend time in this conversation with parents talking about what the need is and trying to steer the conversation away from a parent-driven solution. And that's where a lot of baggage can emerge because a parent and child, there's so much tension because the parent wants the child to do it their way because that works for them. Right. If they would only just dot, dot, dot. How many times have you heard that? Yep. Um, and it's it doesn't work that way. And that's why school can't be a one-size-fits-all because nothing we do, that's why some people are really good at some things and have some jobs etc. Because everybody is so different. So we have to take a step back and remind parents of this very often. And if this is something that you want to work out in a conversation with Steph and I, you can always sign up for a strategy session through our website, www.learnsmarterpodcast.com. Oftentimes, parents don't realize when they're giving a parent-driven solution, which is understandable. You're just trying to solve whatever the problem is or whatever issue you're working on as a family. But it, especially for our teenagers, it's a real point of contention. Yeah. And it, it really puts a strain on your relationship. And I know a lot of you are probably nodding your head right now. Yeah, that's me. That's mm-hmm. my teenage relationship that I have, you know, or my relationship with my teenager rather. And yeah, so taking a step back is going to be definitely helpful. So Rach, why do we need it? Why do we need memory? Yeah. We need memory for a couple different reasons. Obviously, we need memory to function in our day-to-day lives. But when we're talking about academics and school, school is absolutely set up to specifically test memory, especially in those early years. So we're going to talk later in this episode about how memory is a blessing and a curse. But in the early years of school, where you're really just being tested on your ability to recall facts, that's where a student with a great memory is really going to shine. It's when it transitions into more analytical and critical thinking that simple fact recall and your ability to remember what a teacher said in class is not going to service you as much. Yeah, it's the depth of understanding of it. Yes. And so adulting, as Steph always calls it, is all about using memory. You have to use your memory to pay your bills. You have to use your memory to go to doctor's appointments. Obviously, these are things that Steph and I have talked about that we ourselves do not remember. The way we know is because it's in our calendar. The virtue of a calendar is that I don't have to spend brain space remembering to pay my bills, which by the way, should be automated anyway, Mm -hmm. and remembering when I have a doctor's appointment. I've never missed a doctor's appointment. I don't think. Steph, have I ever missed (laughs) one? Not that I've heard. Okay. so I've had other calendaring issues in recent weeks, (laughs) but it's not doctor's appointments. And it's because it's in my calendar and my calendar is gospel. Uh, Yeah, for sure. And I was thinking, I just wanted to add that there's this I heard this somewhere. I I don't remember where, but basically thinking about your car keys. Okay. Okay. So many of you have a car, especially if you live in Los Angeles, you have to have a car. Or Steph won't date you. Yeah. (laughs) So fair. So (laughs) so (laughs) that's one of her requirements. If anybody knows anybody, Steph's requirements are that her future partner is employed and has a car. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you guys would agree with me on this one. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to be driving all the time. No. So <laughs> that being said, okay, now, if you think about it, 
I could walk in from work and I could put my keys down and very likely I will remember where I put them down when I go to get them the next time I need to get in the car. However, instead, I have a little hook when I walk in the door that I put my keys on because it become automatic and I don't need to waste brain power to remember where I put my keys. There's no point in it really. Mm-hmm. So the thing is that there's been studies about if you put routines in like this earlier on, even when you have the memory capacity, that when you get older and your memory capacity becomes a little strained, that life is a lot easier for you. So this is one of the reasons why I always just put it on the key ring by the door. So you're prepping for old age by yeah, doing this? Yeah, okay. and I'm older than you, so yeah. I have to get ready now. So yeah. <laughs> it's just an example of something I do in my life that I don't necessarily need to do, but it it takes away something that I don't – I can use that memory for actually trying to find my phone because I set it down all the time in the house and no idea where it is, <laughs> like right can now. Can I tell you a story about that? Yeah. So maybe six, eight months ago, Steph actually got a second phone for her business line. And it was something that I was talking to Adam about recently. I'm like, I don't know if I should do it. Steph did it. And, you know, it's weird for me to have a different system than you and bothers me. And Adam just looked at me and he's like, you are not getting a second phone. And I said, (laughs) why? He's like, you don't know where your first one is half the time. And it's usually right next to you. You're not getting a second one. We'll never be done with the conversation of where is your phone. (laughs) It's true. I call them from the other room all the time. I'm like, I don't know where my phone is. And I, it's like in the covers. That's a good one. I don't have this issue with keys because I too have a little hook, but I didn't do it for memory's sake to set up a routine for when I'm old. I did it because I was tired of not knowing where my keys were. There's so. there's the difference between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> so Steph, why don't you quickly go into the basic three different types of memory? So the different types of memory, you have short term, which I'm sure most of you have all heard of. And that's where you put your keys. Yeah, that's, that's where the you, memory. Exactly. Yeah. So I saw somewhere online that somebody referred to it as your brain's post-it note and I loved it. So I decided that that's what we're going to call it. It's your brain's post-it note. You put it next to your computer or by the door or whatever it is. It's there to look at and not really use unless it's something specific and it's very short term. Right. Long-term has to do with meaning and associations. And so these are things that when you smell a certain smell, it takes you back to your childhood or Mm -hmm. you remember your fifth birthday party or things like that that are a long Mm -hmm. time ago. You remember your favorite trip as a kid or something you did with your parents. That's in your long-term memory or when your child Mm -hmm. was born. Mm -hmm. The last is working memory, which a lot of people don't quite know about or understand. And this is really the processor of your brain. So this is the computer of your brain. And it computes the information around you. So it's making sense of what's going on and then deciding what to do with it. So it's also used for emotions and It is making sense of how you're going to react when you're computing to a certain situation, like when your child gets a good grade, how they react, or if you have a child that gets a bad grade and has a meltdown. So when I'm sure many of you can understand what I'm saying, uh, when your child has a meltdown and they can't hear anything you're saying because the brain power is all focused on that emotion and 
so their working memory is just sort of it's just shut down. So I'm going to give an academic example of all three different types of memory. I like it. So I'm going to reference back to my AP US history class, which was taught by my favorite teacher. He was like the Mr. Holland's Opus teacher. His (laughs) name is Mr. Rutschman. And any of my friends who are listening from high school, if y'all are listening, absolutely no. Does he still teach? I don't think he does. I actually Uh. think he retired. But I follow him on social media. We have a lot of the same... uh, Political opinions, shall uh, we say. Okay. But he's just one of those special people who was around for a really important period of time in my life. And he was my AP US history teacher, my leadership teacher, my AP psych teacher. So taught me quite a bit. And an example from that course is the short-term memory would be the actual lectures and the anecdotes that he would share with us to help us remember information. I don't remember a lot of that, right? The working memory would be that period of time when I was studying for the AP exam and I was retaining all this information that didn't all convert to long-term memory. However, when I went and saw Hamilton, I hadn't really reviewed the story. I hadn't really listened to a lot of the music, but all of a sudden I was in Hamilton and I'm like, I know exactly what's going to happen here because I remembered it. It actually was stored and triggered the memory in my long-term memory during the show. Is that a good example? Yeah, I like it. Okay. All right. So how does memory affect learning? School is set up to use all parts of memory, from what you have learned in the past, the long-term memory, to what you are learning currently, which is usually stored in working memory, to what the teacher just told you to do after finished working on an assignment, which is typically short-term memory. Testing is entirely set up to test your memory and recall, and as we said before, children are simultaneously asked to remember, recall, interpret, and analyze information in a testing environment. This is one of the reasons that memory is a part of executive functioning because you're doing all these things simultaneously and they're working in tandem with each other. Oftentimes, we hear parents say that when their child was younger, they didn't need to study because they were able to remember everything. And now they say they're studying. That's debatable for how Steph and I would want our clients to study, right, Steph? Yep, yep. They'll say, so they are studying, and they're studying for hours, but they don't remember what they studied when it comes to the test. And this is the exact curse of a good memory. You don't learn how to remember things for an academic testing environment when remembering things comes naturally to you. So oftentimes students cram for a test and we don't like it. No, it happens all the time. Oh, I can just study the night before. No. Yeah. Okay. So this is like putting the post-it note. Mm-hmm. You're not going to remember or have any connection with it. And no. it's just going to sit there. It's like wasted time. And yeah. it just has no meaning to you. So this is why we really talk about a lot with students about breaking studying into parts and doing a little bit each day with multiple reviews of the same information so it becomes more concrete and students can recall what they've studied and analyze it. And this is what we talk a lot about in episode four, how to create a study plan, and episode three, the do's and don'ts of studying. Because the night before, which for some reason every single student thinks is the right way to go, Mm-hmm. never seems to quite work. We want to have a little quick discussion about homework and its relationship 
with memory. What homework is supposed to be is independent practice of what was being taught that day or in the days prior. It's not supposed to be 100% accurate. It's still supposed to be an opportunity for learning. But really, it's that opportunity to reinforce the information. I hate to always go back to math, but there is a reason that when students don't understand something in third grade, they are going to struggle with math forevermore. Because that, almost more than every other subject, builds upon an expectation of prior knowledge. Mm -hmm. So... I always tell kids, this is not something that you can forget. This is not something that we're only going to do this one time. It's why I had some really fantastic teachers in high school who created math homework or used a book that had all types of questions. The first section of the math homework would be the new concept that we had learned and literally the rest of it, which was probably two-thirds of the assignment, were previous problems that we had learned earlier in the school year dating back to the first day of school. We were never allowed to forget things because we were constantly revisiting it. Sometimes we have students who say they don't remember what they learned. And sometimes that can be because they didn't understand the material being taught initially. But usually it's because they aren't making connections to their memory and the material. This is why we're really, really explicit with students about how memory works. We have this conversation, this episode that we're delivering to you right now is a conversation we're having with a lot of students, particularly students who are transitioning to middle school, I would say, is really when it becomes, because that's when self-esteem gets impacted, when their memory starts to fail them, because the nature of the questions are changing. So if they have a strategy for remembering information and using memory to their own advantage, then we don't have to worry about how to remember the information. We can focus on how to analyze it. Yeah. Because that's the next step. Exactly. One more thing that I'll add to this conversation of homework is that homework is definitely using all three elements of memory, from writing it down to remembering concepts to the actual act of working out what is being asked, deciding how you're going to answer, and then the physical act of answering the question, all requires memory and is all working in tandem with all the other elements of executive functioning that we've been talking about the last several weeks. So let's get into some strategy yes, stuff. Yes, yes. Okay. So let's start with one of my favorites, which is songs. And this is something I learned from you, Rach, about skip counting. And I found this – I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but I found this guy on YouTube that makes these songs about multiplication. We have talked about it. I've used it with clients. Skip counting is – like for twos, an example of skip counting would be two, four, six, eight, ten. Yes. So last night, actually, very specifically, I taught – a third grader his threes because we Mm -hmm. were singing the song about Mm -hmm. doing the three multiplication and we were dancing around my office and he was jumping on the trampoline and it Mm -hmm. was amazing by the end of the session he knew his threes so this is why we don't teach fast math and math facts with flashcards yes because it takes too long it's laborious for students they don't remember it accurately normally but they will remember it with music oh yeah and the fact that we were dancing and jumping on the trampoline totally. together it was i was creating a, a memory i was i was having a great time that's awesome so, so songs but you can also make up songs i remember doing this in high school too making up songs for information so mm-hmm. that you can remember vocabulary words or some silly song paragraph or something to put it all together. So making up a song of your own is always a good strategy also. 
mnemonics. So Steph and I, as you guys know, we write a Google Doc, and that's what we're the main content of our episodes are on. But Steph, you wrote, never eat soggy waffles. I'm assuming that's northeast, south, and west. Yes. Oh, good for me. Yeah. And because um, I actually hadn't heard that one. I think the mnemonic that most people are familiar with is probably, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, when we're talking about the order of operations. <laughs> You're such math. a math person. <laughs> I'm just going to always bring it back to math. I can't believe you've never heard never eat soggy waffles. I've never heard it, but I also don't, I didn't know that people didn't know how to remember Northeast. <laughs> Which direction? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just put that together that that's going around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. I see how you go. Okay. I see. Okay. It's like a clock. I see. <laughs> <Yep>. Okay. <laughs> All right. Steph, what's another strategy? Chunking. And we've talked about this many times on the podcast, but just to go over it again, chunking what you're studying into bits that are small and over time with a reasonable review of the information each day or each week or however it is. And just like Rachel always says, this is like math, right? You never stop using or learning addition, for instance. So you learn two plus two or one plus one, and you're constantly adding to that and revisiting it because you have to constantly add. So that's a way of chunking that's not necessarily for a test, but just a life chunk, I guess. (laughs) We also want to make sure students are being explicit about connecting the academics with things that they already know. A great example of this is in reading comprehension. You're trying to remember the story. It's easier to remember the story if you can relate to one of the characters' experiences in the story. I It always seems to me when you're talking to a Harry Potter fan, they tell you what house they would be in. <laughs> yes. They are relating. And those are, you know... Obviously, she revisits all four houses several times over the courses of the books, but that kind of real-world connection creates that long-term memory that we would hope for. Look, our students aren't going to remember everything that they were ever tested on, but we'd like them to remember a reasonable amount, yeah. right? It's yeah. kind of cool that I was in Hamilton and I'm like, I knew I I knew what was going to happen at the end. Yeah, and I guess going back to songs, there's a song that I learned in third grade mm-hmm. with how to say all 50 states in alphabetical order. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas. So, okay, Mm -hmm. so all these years later, I still can sing it and I can still, it still comes up and is useful sometimes, which is so bizarre, but it really does. There's another one that our kids use that's from Animaniacs. Have you heard that one? No. Because that's the one that uh, – the one I sang you, I think, is the one that you know, yeah, right? Yeah, 15 There's an, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's come in handy. Yeah, oh, it definitely <laughs> has. There's, I don't know why, but it has. So there you go. There's, it's come in handy. So <laughs> yeah. another strategy is you want to combine what kind of learner you are, which we talk about what kind of learner you were in episode 26 in last week's episode. And so a strategy would be for an auditory learner to record yourself and play it for yourself so you can hear the information out loud. And you can go back and listen to that episode. All the episodes that we've talked about today will be linked in our show notes if you haven't had a chance to listen to them. Another strategy is write everything down that can be written down. 
And you guys, I was doing this last night because I have a lot on my plate all of a sudden. I'm glad you did it. I told you to do a you brain did. dump. You, you did. Know. Okay, good. And as soon as you told me, I was like, yes. And the, the <laughs> list is so long, but I was erasing stuff last night. I was like That's hardcore exciting. doing things last night at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. I don't recommend it. That's why it. you should come over later for <laughs> stew. <laughs> so, okay. So don't waste valuable brain space on information that can be written down. We've talked about this before, but we're just saying it again. This is one of the many reasons we advocate for a calendar because learners waste a lot of brain RAM trying to remember things that they have to do, which I was doing yesterday and I shouldn't have been doing. So even, you know, we all need a reminder sometimes. It directly links to anxiety as well when you have so many things on your brain. For sure. And a lot of them are of varying levels of importance too, but it's all things that need to be dealt with. It's essential to write things down in order to at least mitigate your own anxiety. Oh, for sure. When I see the list, I feel a lot calmer. Yeah, because you realize that, oh, this is a five-minute exercise as opposed to a a five-minute event in your life to accomplish getting someone a new email, for example. Right, which I did last night, which, you know, because it was just super easy to do it really quickly. So, exactly. But it got to get crossed off your list. It did, and that made me really happy, you guys. We always want to talk about our own failures when it comes to executive functioning and when it comes to learning to really normalize it for the students that we work with. And transparency about your own memory failures is what creates connections for us with our clients. When I have a calendar mess up, I talk about it with my students because I want them to know that even though they have a calendar, at some point they're going to be human too and make a mistake. But One of the anecdotes that I wrote was, there's a reason that Oprah journals every day. Now, she talks about her journaling as a way of expressing gratitude, but this is something that I hope would happen is I hope Oprah writes an autobiography one day because her journals are going to be much more accurate descriptions of what she was experiencing and feeling at certain phases in her life than her memory would be. Yeah. So the virtue of writing things down is incredibly important. And Oprah's like journaled for 35 years. And I, I think that's incredible. It is incredible. And I and I really hope she writes an autobiography one day. I'm I sure will be will. in line yeah. to read that. <laughs> so Smarties, we just want to remind you that if you haven't joined our Facebook group yet to search for Smarties of the Learn Smarter podcast on Facebook. We're spending a lot of time in the group. And then also, if you haven't gotten on our email list, we've been linking to the Facebook group there as well. So, and we'll link to the Facebook group in the show notes too, right, Steph? Yeah. Okay. And we'd love to meet you there and hang out with you in that space. Have a great week, everybody. Have a great week, Smarties.